by pulling these things separate and isolating them, this becomes worship and your personal life, your intimate life stays over there and it is not together with worship. Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. With me today, we've got, who do we have? We've got Tracy. Good morning. We've got Eric. Hey. And she'd like to talk to your manager. We've got Karen. Really? You went straight there? Now I, I... do want to talk to your manager. Put your wife on. <laughs> she's asleep. <laughs> Get her up. She's, she she's... needs to reprimand you. She's she's busy. My manager's busy. Sorry. <laughs> I've been holding on to that one for a while. You got to give me a little credit. No. <laughs> Hi, Karen. Mm-hmm. Something like that. <laughs> well, Karen's got herself a little uh, guest. Well, actually, I guess you're his guest today, aren't you? Yeah, I'm his sidekick. I'm I'm puppy sitting this weekend. So if you hear shrieks of alarm suddenly during the podcast, it's because we didn't make it to the end before he decided to potty again. <laughs> I think we're good, but no guarantees, cause, cause he's little. They goes when right. they gots to goes. And he's really cute. He's a German Shepherd mix, but he looks like he's mostly German Shepherd. And he was found abandoned um, up in Wyoming. Some hmm. people driving down the highway saw him. Just a tiny little mite, just skinny as all get out. And they stopped and picked him up and took him to a rescue. And the rescue took almost two months getting him back to health and then placed him with uh, my friend who I'm puppy sitting for. Uh, anyway, he's very sweet. And no, this is the first time his family's been away. So he's, he's making do with his unwanted house guest. <laughs> That's fun. Okay. Well, let's get into our reading for this week. And before I, we're going to start in uh, Leviticus chapter 18. Before I tell you what the, topic of Leviticus 18 is. I want to start with uh, the way it it begins. In verse 2, it begins out with uh, Mo, uh, God speaking to Moses, or talking to the children of Israel. He starts out saying, I am the Lord your God. And this is very important to remember through this whole chapter, because there's, well, not just this chapter, but everything we read today, but this chapter specifically, because this chapter is about sexual morality. Well, that's okay. a great. Hang on a second. You... Mm. The rest of the verse three, I think, is just as important. Oh, absolutely. I was getting okay. there. But cool. uh, but yeah, but um, in today's society, the idea that we need to check our sexual morality, it, a lot of times it seems like, you know, you're kind of you're kind of a uh, fuddy duddy. Boy, I'm a fuddy duddy for using the word fuddy duddy, aren't I? <laughs> but, uh, you know, a little. <laughs> a little... <laughs> Maybe a little prudish, maybe a little uh, old-fashioned. If you try to hold to any of the, uh, you know, more traditional rules or not rule, yeah, rules, guidelines of sexual morality and and uh, you know having having some discretion <laughs> with who you partner up with. Um, but uh, yeah, like you said, verse three, it um, it continues on and and it says basically, don't be like the Egyptians and the Canaanites. And verse four is walk in God's judgments and ordinances. So really, we're not supposed to walk like an Egyptian. I got that. Yeah. Okay, I hope somebody 
I worked really hard on that one. <laughs> no wonder you got up early today. You had to think, oh my word. Yeah. So, so to me, I, I heard, I heard two, two things when I read the opening of the chapter. Yeah. Um, one is that probably a lot of these rules that he goes on to articulate are contrast rules. Mm-hmm. Right. So he says, he says, do not do as they do in Egypt where you used to live and do not do as they do in the land of Canaan where I am bringing you. Right. So there's going to be all these there on, on one end. There's all these outside things, practices that they've been used to. Don't do those. And then where you're going, there's going to be others. Don't do those either. And so to me, that made that helped make sense of the rules because they because it was they were. Well, like I said, there were rules of contrast, like do this instead of that. Yeah. And some of the rules here, when we get to them, it it helps me feel a little bit better about the Israelites, because a lot there's sometimes when rules are made, it's because somebody has already done the thing that now we're telling them not to do. Right. Uh, and, and it sounds to me like maybe these things weren't being hadn't been picked up by the Israelites yet. But Is it- is that ever true, Eric? You write, you know, rental agreements. Do you ever add new rules based on things that have just happened that you weren't expecting that you would ever need to address? All the time. In fact, <laughs> when a, I had somebody, um, it was one of the renter's parents said, I don't like this lease. And like, oh, what do you not like about it? Like, well, because it's thorough. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, you know, there's actually an interesting story behind almost every point. <laughs> and yep. I was at an international affair about a year ago, and I remember walking by. They had um, uh, semi trucks with uh, shower units, kind of like that you'd use in a you know refugee camp or something like that. And there were there was a thing that had been printed out. It wasn't permanent and laminated like all the other things. And it was a picture of. I don't want to be too graphic here, but it was. It was a little one of those little black silhouette kind of people uh, squatting down, pooping in the shower with an international no sign across it. And oh. I was walking by with the person who was next to me. I said, you know, the only reason they have that rule is because somebody <laughs> did that. Yeah. <laughs> and as we get to a lot of the uh, the things that are coming up. I think it's really important we could do a flashback here to Genesis 15, 16. And this is God's talking to Abram. He's not even Abraham yet. And he's saying, look, I'm going to bring your descendants back here. Uh, and, and 16 says, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation. We've talked about this, that it was roughly 400 years from Abram's people wandering and, and being in Egypt and so on before they left. Um, but that's not the point. The point is, God is saying, they'll come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Yeah. So God has been working with these people that are about to be displaced for about 400 years. So it's not as if, you know, the, the, the parent walks into the room and is like, here's a brand new rule. Here's the thing. Now quit doing it. Now you're busted for doing it. The people have been under God's grace for you know 400 years and things have not gone well and they're going to be displaced and some of these things that we're going when we don't have to read them all point by point but um they're god says you know we're going to skip ahead into 30 
So keep my charge and never practice any of these abominable customs that were practiced before you and never make yourselves unclean by them. And right back to your first point, Matt, I am the Lord your God. Now, if you don't believe that there's a Lord your God, what ends up happening, and this is this is causing some people distress today, is that morality is determined by majority. Somebody was um, complaining uh, on Facebook that that there's a pedophilia group that is yeah. lobbying to be accepted as just yeah. a you know an alternate sexual orientation. TED Talks and everything. Yeah. yeah. And my point was, look, when we abdicated morality to public um, popularity, to just, you know, public opinion, basically all you have to do is get a good PR team and work on it a while, and that makes it okay. And really, because if, 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 it, if the only thing making it moral or immoral is public acceptance, then all you have to do is sway public acceptance. Now, you may not accept. Right. You say, that's not right right now. That thing right over there, that's across the line. Like, well, yeah, you say so now. But maybe your kids, if they watch enough TV shows where that's featured or they see enough comedy skits where that's featured or, you know, they, they et cetera, et cetera, until they're thinking later, eh, it's really not. It's just a choice. It's just it's a choice. It's an alternative. It's OK. I loved and, how all the way yeah. through this chapter, God kept saying, I am the Lord. Like he pulls rank all the way through this. He gives a set of instructions and then says, I am the Lord, your God. Yeah. You know, what I was, it, it, he was really, to me, every time he said that, he was driving it home. Like, mm -hmm. I'm saying this, this is what I want done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And I have the authority. Yes. Along with what Eric's saying, I think, too, that if you look historically, that it's always been in the area of public opinion and for this whole morality concept. Because you look at ancient Greek society where, you know, you have... I'm stepping out on a limb here, but homosexuality, where it was accepted as a higher form of, of love, um, that in the field of public opinion, it was it was okay there. Yeah, not only that, but let's you know, you had it, you know, written in, you had poetry written about it, you, you know, rites of passage. I think it's always been that. And then I went a little bit more like in a generic term, and this is gonna this is gonna date me, but that's okay. It is. It is all about what's acceptable. If you can interject it in just to one area and it's okay, then you can build on that. I remember growing up, TV was pretty plain and simple and maybe a little bit boring for, for people, but there was no cursing in TV. There mm -hmm. was no nudity in TV, especially, you know, the regular channels barring cable stuff and all that kind of stuff. But now look at it. You can curse on any show right now on regular tv you have brief nudity on on any shows in tv and it's it's okay it's almost considered a norm now if you don't have it you probably don't have a lot of viewers unfortunately but i think if you interject it once it's accepted then it's built upon i think that the i think that the reason all of these big shifts are happening okay so psalm psalm 8 when I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you set in place, what, what is man that you are mindful of him, human beings that you care for them? 
You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands and put everything under their feet, all the flocks and herds and the animals of the wild and the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea. Okay. So from a creationist point of view, humans are created above the other things to rule the other things, the other forms of life here on earth. We are created below the angels. Our call is upward, right? Yes. So mm -hmm. if you set aside a creationist framework and you take an evolutionist framework, we are simply the life form that has managed to rise the furthest. And all life forms are equal because that's all the further they've gotten. So if you feel an animal urge, it's just part of your nature, right? So the call is not upward. There is no greater framework around you that you are supposed to fill a role in. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Anyway, I've, I've always kind of thought that was interesting. Like that, that whole... That, the whole point of view that's created by believing in creation. I mean, think ahead to Revelation and the, the, what is it, the third angel's message? Worship the God of creation. Come out of chaos, worship the God of creation. It's a call back to those roots, which tells you that the world's going to need that call when it comes time for that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, pretty cool stuff. We're all sidetracked and we haven't even started yet. <laughs> no, that's good. Verse five had something there that really pointed out to me was pointed out to me too here it says um you shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments which if a man does he shall live by them i am the lord now i took this kind of in part you know you're gonna this, these are gonna be like rules to live by but then also these are literally rules to live by now tracy right. being in the medical field you probably have some things that you could say about maintaining a sexual morale sexual morality in relation to health and and life don't you yeah i see it every day <laughs> you don't want to give us specifics you know violate some hipaa rules and yeah no <laughs> <laughs> like my job well i'll tell you this i was um i uh, for those who don't know i'm a commercial photographer and uh, i was photographing uh at a at a a state university one time we were in the health center because they had just built a new health center and they wanted to show some of that stuff. And we had one of the providers was going to be working with us, you know, setting up some little like, Hey, look, we have healthcare here. And while they were waiting to get things done, I was making small talk. And I was like, well, I mean, really, I mean, what do you see here? I mean, just, just different things. She's like, Oh, it's all STDs. I was like, well, but I mean, people come in with a, like, no, it's an STD. I said, wait, what? She said, yeah, headache, STD. You know, back at STD, soreness from the from muscles, STD. She said, really, about 90% of what we see here is related to STDs. Ooh. And I wow. was kind of horrified by that. Wow. But, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. even, wow. Okay. What do you think yeah, of that, I didn't. I was, you know, <laughs> when I actually asked somebody funny. else, I'm like, so somebody was saying that it's, saying, okay, maybe that's a little high. I don't know, maybe 80%. I don't know. I was just like, wow, that's just an area I would want to stay away from. Mm-hmm. Man. Just, yeah. Just it's it's and here's here's the thing. As we go into 18, we can paint with broad brushes here. Most of the things in Leviticus 18 today, we would still say culturally, our culture, and I'm gonna be very specific with that, today we would say our North American culture 
would say most of that were like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's probably off limits. That's probably off limits. That's probably off limits. But here's the thing is that culturally, that is not universal. You know, we'll look at, um, because here in this country, homosexuality is like, it's okay. It's a choice. It's a thing that you do. But ew, your sister or your mother, that's horrible. That's, and in other countries, homosexuality is not accepted. And yet sexual relations that we would consider horrible there are totally accepted. And this is the thing that we get into when we don't have, I don't know who said it was you, Tracy or Karen, we don't have a framework and Matt, we don't have anything to, to measure ourselves by. It's whatever our culture has said is okay. You know, there are parts of the world where um, eating dogs is totally okay. You just go to a restaurant and order a dog. Or a bat. Yeah, or a bat, or a marmot, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, that's the new thing going around, bubonic plague, because people are eating marmots. But here's the thing, is that culturally, we're not going to find a restaurant here in the U.S. that's going to serve marmot, you know, but there are parts of the world that absolutely will. And when we say it's up to us to come up with our own ideas as to what's okay and not okay, we end up in some pretty interesting situations. And so God is saying, hey, look, these things that I'm telling you not to do, you are not to do them. And and it's interesting, you said pull rank. He doesn't give a ton of explanation of like, okay, and this is mm-hmm. why you're not supposed to do that. We ran mm-hmm. through that with the clean and unclean right. animals too. He just said, don't do it. He didn't he didn't bother saying, no, there's this, there's this little organism called trichinosis. And if you eat uncooked pork, there's these little tiny animal type things in there he just didn't he said don't do it yeah 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 and he says a lot of don't do it in here too so -hmm. there was one thing that jumped out in this whole list of don't have sex with this don't have sex with that like the categories of people there was there were where was that text it was okay so verse 20 and this is kind of a repeating theme So this one specifically says it very clearly. So I'll use this one. Do not have sexual relations with your neighbor's wife and defile yourself with her. And I have to admit, the modern woman in me went, excuse me? Excuse Mm -hmm. me? You know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't this be considered a mutual situation? Why is this? This is clearly an instruction to a man. Why would this be him defiling himself with her? And that a little bit stuck in my craw. And I was like, all right, patriarchal, blah, 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 you know, calm down. But then a few chapters later, I got to uh, chapter 21. And in verse 9, it says, if a priest's daughter defiles herself by becoming a prostitute, dot, dot, dot. Okay. So I realized... I realized that this whole defiling yourself is more about taking the initiative and seeking something out that you shouldn't be doing. Regardless of which, which, regardless of which gender does that, you see what I'm getting at? This is, this is what the new Testament, I think it's Paul calls a sin against yourself. Mm -hmm. Right? So I, I see, I want, I go get, and I have defiled myself by doing that. So it's so at first I was like, well, what's wrong with the woman? You know, well, how come she doesn't, you know, how come the man ends up defiled and she doesn't? How come there's no reference to her? But then later, when the priest's daughter has gone and done this, then she's defiled herself. So it's like, draw your lines for yourself, for your own sin, 
for what's tolerable to you. Draw your lines and then stick to them. This isn't a matter of what you can get away with. Right. And I think it's safe to say that we these rules are going to go either way. You know, it, uh, it, while it was written in a masculine uh, society uh, context, it, it's it's just as it's just as important to go the other way. You know, some of them some of them here are written specifically to men and women. Most of them are directed towards men. And you know what? I guess if I'm being honest, from what I've seen, men are generally the ones who are the more driven by sexual urges than women. I know that women have their desires too, but it seems like men men's brains don't always kick in in the right direction. <laughs> there was there was a just... lot of there was a lot of less uh, less appropriate ways for me to say that that I had to had to work my brain around. Yeah, and remember that in the society as as it was written is that men were the ones that had property rights and. And um, we're just it was a different situation. So these were the people who would have the ability to steer the relationship, so to so to speak. And God's calling them to a higher standard, mm-hmm. you know, and we're like, well, that's just so old fashioned. But the 21, 1821, you shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech. And so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Well, what this is talking about is they would sacrifice their children. And there are historical, archaeological things as to what these people would do at times. This is horrible, but this is to to give context as to why God is saying, don't do this. They would make these big idols, and among them, they would have a a hollow altar, and they would have this this, um, idol would have hands. This whole thing would be made out of metal, but it would be hollow. And they would build a fire inside it, pump it up with uh, with a bellows, get this whole idol red hot, and they would lay their babies in the red hot hands of this idol and burn them alive. Mm. And if by some chance, which was not often, that child should survive, they would be considered blessed and protected by the gods, and they would get to do pretty much they would get a they would get a blank check for the rest of their lives to do whatever they wanted to with no consequences no no moral or legal consequences to whatever what kind of society would that build so you've got be when god says don't do this this is an abomination to me We're like abomination god that god of the old testament so so old-fashioned and he's saying do not offer your children as sacrifices and we could go down a road today and say there's a lot of babies being sacrificed today mm-hmm. for the for our convenience for our you know to the offering to the god of well we're pretty much worshiping the god of sex here in uh, leviticus 18 and god yeah. saying don't do that i am your god not sex and um unfortunately our culture i mean i just read a thing the other day that just said Hey, look, you know, if you're not selling one of these four essential things as a as a in sales, you are you are um, you're not going to make any money. And one of the four things is sex selling that, you know, sexual desire or prowess or or self image, those kinds of things. You can't look at advertising and not know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so God is saying, hey, look, I am your God. And 
these things are not okay. And culturally, they became okay. Actually, literally offering their children as sacrifices to these demon gods became okay. Because as we've talked about in earlier chapters, God is saying, hey, look, be separate. And there's some of that ahead, too. And some of it were like, well, that just seems kind of silly that you would separate those things. I don't see any moral implication. And some of these things are mostly God just saying, this further on and don't mix your fabrics and so on is um he's i believe making a point saying be separate don't don't intermingle with these people because remember when balaam oh well we haven't even gotten to that yet no. i don't think balaam's suggestion as to how to overcome the israelites is look a full frontal cursing thing's not going to work yeah but if you can get them little by little to accept the culture around them you will cause their downfall. Right. Um, I was surprised to find verse 21 in a chapter that my Bible calls unlawful sexual relations. Yeah, me too. And so I did a little scrounging, and what I found is that Molech's wife was Asherah, Ashtoreth, which was a fertility goddess. And so that's and so the the side services connected with Molech were involved in a lot of temple prostitution and whatnot, which kind of made it made it make more sense why this why this particular verse was lumped in with all these sexual guidelines. I was just yeah, kind was, of curious was, about that. Yeah, I was wondering about that too. I'm glad you found something on that. Well, like you said, we probably we don't need to go through all the specifics and all of these things. I mean, pretty much you can, you probably don't have to think very hard about what kind of things not to do. Um, you know, some of it's about steering clear of close relatives. Well, we've got we've got literal laws about that here. You know, who you can marry and whatnot. And, I did pause to remember Abraham and Sarah when I read uh, that text, though. You know what? And I do remember us talking about that too, because here it is specifically pointed out don't don't be with your sister don't be with your half sister don't be yeah. with your with your father's daughter like even if she's from another mother all these things and we've had a lot of half brothers and sisters getting married up till this point and mm -hmm. now now god's saying don't now it's a kind of curiosity why but i suppose you it, you start getting to a point where the gene pool needs to be More uh, what was that more careful yeah be more careful with your gene pool and don't be you know the inbreeding it builds up over time and they had just come out of egypt where it was literally fathers and daughters you know having children together and we know that a lot of those egyptian kings died from their from their birth defects and 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 from other it's... genetic defects that they had what's that tracy from incest yeah it was almost looked upon favorably to keep the keep your family within the, the royal or on the throne. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now if you, I guess if we keep in mind too, that God has been telling these guys, don't, don't go hanging out with any of the other people of the land. Well, now our gene pool is already kind of small to begin with because we're, we're limited to these 12 tribes. So don't make it worse by, by fooling around with, uh, with relatives. We're down Close. to 2 million people to choose from. However, will we manage? Oh, yeah. oh my gosh! So let's move. Let's move on into yeah. nineteen, which is kind of a continuation of this. 
there's more do this, don't do that. And, you know, a lot of these things are repeating, you, you know, eat your sacrifice before the third day or, it won't be, you know, you'd be tainted. I, I noted nine through 15 is basically it's saying there should be justice for absolutely everyone in your country, whether it's your national people or whether it's visitors or it's immigrants Everyone, they call him sojourner, in case you're looking for the word immigrant, it'd be a sojourner. God is saying everybody should get justice. Doesn't matter if you're rich, you should be held to an account. And it doesn't matter if you're poor. That doesn't give you a pass. Like, oh, you know, I mean, they they had to steal that. No, there's and all through here is provision that God is making for a society that should function and caring for the least. Like uh, this this thing about gleaning, this is an interesting thing. You know, they'd go out, yeah. and it's a term you haven't heard before, is basically they're saying don't pick every edible thing from the field. You know, get the easy-to-get stuff. If you drop some, leave it. If you, you know, if you miss a section, if you miss a corner of your field, leave it. And the reason they are to leave that is to give the poor a thing. Now, it's interesting. It doesn't say, now, you're supposed to harvest all of this, and then you have to give it to whoever knocks on your door or, or we're going to have the government come and take it away from you and give it to these other people. It's like, no, you're supposed to leave some for other people and they're supposed to come get it. Yeah. And if you do this, everybody gets something to eat. Nobody starves. Yeah. Right. And you know, I 15, had a... oh, go ahead, Karen. Oh no. Cause I was going to uh, change topics. So if you're not done, go for it. I was just going to say 15 kind of sums it up. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in yep. righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. Yep. Mm -hmm. What'd you have Karen? Oh, um, in verse 17, yes. it says, do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Re rebuke your neighbor, frankly, so that you will not share in their guilt. So I've known some rather odd people in my lifetime, but one of the oddest is my daughter. And when she was a little kid, and we're talking tiny, like starting, she was very articulate at an early age. So even before the age of two, she would have the strangest, most profound conversations with you in full sentences and like kind of these complicated thoughts. And it was people would just stare at her like, where did that tiny human come up with that? But one of the things that you could always count on her for, if she was playing with a group of children and they started to do something that they shouldn't, she would tell them, you shouldn't be doing this and I'm not going to do it with you. And then she would come and say to me, this is what they're doing. And I told them they should quit. And I was, she absolutely did not care. She didn't get angry. She didn't scream at them. She would just tell them flat out, you shouldn't be doing this and I won't do it with you. Well, there was one incident where she did it with them. So she was four by now, four, yeah, four. And uh, later when it came to light, I, I said to her, I knew that if I asked any of the older kids, they would lie. So I asked her, so what happened? Because it looks like, you know, this is what happened. She said, that's exactly what happened. And I did it with them this time. And I was just like, holy crap, child. <laughs> you know what I mean? She, just, she was just such an odd little creature. And it always just made me really proud of her. She just would stand her ground and, and do what she thought was right and, and just be very, very, very outspoken about it in her quiet little way. And I was like, oh, 
that's a cool <laughs> human. I think we need to temper that a little bit uh, because in today, today, it's like everybody thinks they have the right to tell everybody what they shouldn't do. And yeah. a lot of times I think it's done. You know how I am about about doing things too quickly. It, it, it's done without really stopping to think about the other person's pers- uh, perspective, uh, without thinking about the context and it's just very quickly, a lot of times it's done on emotion. I think Tracy a couple of weeks ago was talking about being ruled by emotion. We've yeah. got to be very careful about about when we decide we're going to reprimand, or not reprimand, how did it put it? What was the word it used? Uh, rebuke in NIV. Rebuke. Yeah, some, yeah, I think it was the same. But um, before we go to rebuke somebody, we need to, we need to take a step back first before we do that. And make sure we're not being hypocritical. Make sure we're not being overly critical, and be sure that it's that 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 um, it's done in 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 uh, in a good spirit. Because far too often it's done with this holier than thou, I'm right and you're wrong, and context doesn't matter, and you know all these things. So that we we really need to we 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 need to slow our roll on that one a little bit, but. At the same time, it's good to be honest with each other and call things out on occasion. Well, and the interesting, the interesting thing, the interesting thing is is the rest of the sentence. Rebuke yeah. your neighbor frankly, so that you will not share in their guilt. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you see something wrong happening and you stay silent, you become, as far as doing wrong goes, you become an accomplice in that. Yeah. And so, and and. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of a fine line. So so if I see what you're doing and I don't understand your full perspective, but from my point of view, you're wrong. And I don't say anything because I'm more concerned about guarding your right to your perspective than taking initiative based on what I see. Like, where's the line there? That's pretty blurry. And mm-hmm. in a in our modern, complicated society where the chance of us actually knowing everything that's happening in a situation is so small, I honestly don't know where to put that line. When do I speak up? When, when, do, when do I stay silent? When, does, when do I become accomplice in that sin because I'm concerned that I'll open my mouth and step where I shouldn't because I don't know enough? You know what I mean? Like, that's a legitimate concern to me. Oh, absolutely. You know, through all the the goings on of the last few weeks, with all you know, there's there's so many things for people to be angry about, and there's a there's a verse that keeps going through my head. Yeah, I I think it might be in I don't remember who it is, but Peter and Jesus are walking along, and John is up there a little ways ahead of them, and Jesus is kind of telling Peter what's going to be happening for him, and John goes, yeah, but what about him, God? What about John? And and Jesus says. You know what? If I want him to live forever, that's up to me. But you follow me. Right. And that is that is a that is a phrase that just keeps working its way through my head over and over and over through the last few weeks. You follow me. And if we make that our first focus, I think more things fall into place. Where if we make sure we make sure that we are living up to whatever values and morals God has been placing on our hearts before we decide to start rebuking other people. And I think we'll find that sometimes we're going to be a lot slower 
to rebuke because yeah, okay. go ahead. Agree. Let's let's finish. Seventeen is pretty good, but it's interesting, and I don't think accidental that eighteen follows. You shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against the sons of your own people. This is Israelites, right? But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. I am the Lord. Where have we heard you shall love your neighbor as yourself? <laughs> uh, that's Jesus. And here's the really interesting thing is that the Jews had been thinking, well, okay, so I love my Jewish neighbor as myself, the sons of my own people. And then Jesus tells the story of a Samaritan <laughs> helping an Israelite and their minds are blown. What? I'm supposed to reach out past my own, you know, my own prejudices. And, and so what, what, what I think we see happening here through the Bible and to Karen's point is it, it's complicated. Where does this go? How do we do it is, man, when do we speak up about something wrong? And, and when do I say, well, you know, is that my own bias and mis and understanding or maybe misunderstanding? But I think that if we put love first and we hold ourselves to what we feel obliged to, committed to, which is the word I'm thinking, our conscience says, convicts me, like, look, I need to do this, then that's what I need to do. That step by step, we will uh, we'll be following God. Because remember, we when Jesus is is interfacing with people and, and also uh, his disciples later in the New Testament, there are sometimes they stand up and um, call people out. And there's other times that they don't. And there's other times they're very diplomatic. Paul sometimes pulls the I'm a Roman citizen card. And sometimes he lets himself get beaten before even mentioning it. So I don't think that there is a one size fits all. And here in all situations is what we do. And yes, it's complicated. My goodness. When do we speak up? When are we quiet? When do we just offer love and support and not um, condemnation? But if we're not condemning them, are we taking part in their sins? I, you know, there's been more than one time, and I can think of this is recently, I've had to pray and say, all righty, how, which, which lever do I, do I pull here? You know? Yeah. yeah. But I think you hit the bullseye, though with what you just said, and I think you just mixed it in there to where maybe the average listener would overlook it, but you said, I had to pray about it. And I think sometimes that's the missing piece, is that we don't take the time to stop in the rebuke of somebody else to really pray about it. You know, and I think it's that that processing time with with yourself and more importantly, prayer um, with the Lord that that you can come come on a more rational and maybe appropriate response to what's going on. I can think of twice in my life where the Holy Spirit very specifically told me to speak up and say this right now that I said no. Now, there have been other times where I followed it. But there were twice when I was socially uncomfortable going out on that limb and I refused to. And in one case, it took 15 seconds for me to realize that I should have and why, because of the direction that the conversation took immediately, right? And if I had stepped in beforehand, it would have been a perfect moment for God to shine, right? And the other one, it took about a week for me to know 
that I should have and why. And the ramifications were awful, awful. So if you are in touch with God and you and you recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit says, act now or don't act now or say this or don't say what you're thinking. I, I just think, again, Eric, like you said, Tracy, hit the bullseye. That's the thing that makes this work. Like, when do I rebuke? When do I stay silent? When will it be a sin to me if I don't step up versus you don't know enough? Step back and keep your mouth shut. Yep. Well, all all of these, all of these, it's titled moral and ceremonial laws here in verse 19. And all of these, uh, they begin with God talking about you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Yeah. So, again, it's just like at the beginning of 18. I want you to do this, you know, and here it's almost like I want you to do this, at least in part, because you're representing me, you're representing God. You know, there's a lot of things that almost seem at first, they could almost seem sort of minuscule or I was going to say arbitrary, but not necessarily. But things that you would be kind of surprised that there would be specifically laws about things like respecting the elderly. We talked about not mistreating strangers um yeah treat your treat your foreigners as your native born this is Mm -hmm. what blew me away with that relating to that this is in uh, 1934 says you shall treat the stranger oh 33 when a stranger sojourns with you in the land you shall not do him wrong you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you and you shall love him as yourself for you were strangers in the land of egypt they were sojourners for 400 years so if anybody gets cocky, like, well, my family's been here for 200 years. Okay. They were considered visitors in Egypt for 400 years. There's not a whole big, huge percentage of the population on this continent of North America. There's some, but not many, who can claim to be actually native to the land here. Right. So that means the rest of us are sojourners, fellow sojourners. That's a mm-hmm. thing I think has largely been lost today. Yeah. And I'm yeah. both. So I have a lot of internal conflict. I am part native and I am part sojourner. Yeah. Well, we all know uh, a, a friend. His name's Manny. Yeah. And recently moved down to southern Colorado. He's not in New Mexico. He's practically in New Mexico now. But they were they were sharing something on Facebook here a while back that made me. I actually had to take a step back and think about this. The, the 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 population down there is largely Hispanic. And I I had to literally stop back and think that you know what? The United States actually came up, it was built around them. They were already here. These these it's not like these people came up from Mexico. This right. group of people was already here in what we know as the United States, and the United States just kind of formed around them. And in the way of thinking, I have to admit that I had had a, before this, it was when I saw a Hispanic person, they must have immigrated here. But wait, no, that's not the case with specifically with these guys. They, they, they were, they were here first. Yeah. And so we're, yeah, we're talking yeah. when, when Manny posts, I mean, he's had his family in Southern Colorado for what do you say? 400, 500 years. Yeah. Yeah. We're the immigrants. Yeah. So, yep, it it, it it just pays us to just keep in mind that, you know, when somebody comes along, we don't know. 
would do us well to to treat them to treat them well because you know pretty much the whole world i i well i guess specifically the americas maybe but you know everybody is from somewhere else you know even my own my own family is only two or three generations deep into living in the united states before that they were germans from russia you know so um like you say germans from all... russia oh now i'm just confused yeah i don't know Man, all the there's his... a lot of those i don't yeah G- <laughs> gf gfr as we call them but, and for some reason they all settled like in nebraska and then and then kind of um moved their way into colorado so um and i don't know all the history there there's stuff with catherine the great and and i they they moved into russia for a while and then um, came to the United came to the United States. So and 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 this, I mean, people refer to the United States as a melting pot, which I genuinely believe is true. Like even the indigenous people are so that you know they've married, they've intermarried, and it's it's just kind of spread out. And so so there's really not many people that can say I am this and only this. Like I I look around at the world, and regardless of what color people are, I consider everyone biracial. And maybe that's sure, weird, sure. but I don't know anybody that's 100% this or 100% that. And I can take pride in my roots because I am only this. Really? Okay. All right. Well, I I've never yeah. met any. Okay, so I want to make sure that we there's as we move on to 20 there's some really interesting stuff in 19 we can read about there's there's thumbs up thumbs down uh to stay away from but as we get into 20 there's in verse 8 keep my statutes and do them and then i've got a uh can't tell because i've underlined it if it's simple or a colon i am the lord who sanctifies you so we have a lot of discussions these days about was it law or is it grace is it just called grace and then God forgave you and he justifies you? And so you kind of do whatever you want because it's God who justifies you, not your behavior. Here's the thing. It's in one sentence. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. It's not one or the other. It is God is clearly saying, and Lord is Yahweh, the personal name, is that he is saying, I am the one who sanctifies you. Keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not keep my commandments and they will, you know, your keeping and will sanctify you, nor is it, well, I sanctify you. So you don't have to do anything. I mean, it's just, you know, in one sentence here, he's saying it's both. It's both. And mm-hmm. we get to the book of James in the new Testament. And I mean, James, man, he just lets, he's, he's firing all barrels all at once when he's saying, it's not just your works and it's not just faith. This is a both thing. I don't know. I just found that very interesting is yeah. that these, these things that we're reading here in Leviticus show up in the Gospels. So it isn't as if, you know, there was this old way of doing things and that's all just been retired and now we have this brand new way of doing things in the New Testament. It's chapter one, chapter two, essentially, because God is saying, keep my statutes and do them. Yeah. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. He makes that very clear. He is the one who sanctifies yeah. A while back, I did a sermon on that topic, and I did it all from the perspective of the Book of Romans. And maybe I'll put that up as a special episode here at some point. And maybe would maybe when we're done with Leviticus, I think we have one more week here in Leviticus, and then maybe I'll put that up as a special episode, because I think that is a time. It is a good thing to keep in mind that really God's laws are his grace. You know, yes, we're sanctified by by or or we're saved by his grace 
But even the fact that he gave us the laws to live by, that's graceful. He wouldn't have had to tell us anything, you know? So, yeah, chapter 20, there are, it's a lot of, it's mostly all about penalties for breaking the law. And there was a lot of death penalty going on Yeah, here. wow. It's a lot of that way. It, it almost progresses, though, if you look at it. In the yes. Beginning, you do these things, you die. Mm-hmm. These things you all need to be put to death for. And then it kind of breaks off into, now these are just unclean and you're going to be put off from your people at this point. Did you notice that? Yes, yeah. I did. Some yes. are it's death penalty. Some is like, now you're expelled from the tribe. Some is now you're off limits for a period of time. And some it's like until sunset. So there's definitely not a one size fits all. Yeah. Right. Did you notice too, towards like 17, the sister, brother, sister, is only put off, so be cut off from the side of the people. It's not a death one. Yeah, well, okay, so in New King James, that was talking about if you if you see your sister naked, or how to put it, if man takes his sister, his... No, I'm looking in the wrong... No, I haven't looked Well, when it right, says right, uncovered their nakedness, I don't think that... It's I think more in this than context. That doesn't mean just like, oh, you glimpsed him getting out of the shower. This is yeah. this means a carnal knowledge specific. Yeah, specifically, gotcha. this is had sex with. And I think that maybe one of the reasons, Tracy, that this is not a, a death penalty thing is and this is still the case in the Middle East um, in, in a number of places is that the, that the female doesn't have agency in this. Hmm. It's like they can be put to death for what a male relative does. And because they didn't have they didn't have agency. And God here is saying, all right, this is not okay, but we're not gonna kill this person for it because they may not have had any agency in it. So publicly removed from their people, and then in eighteen it's the same thing. Both of them are to be cut off from their people. I'm very curious what that means. I don't I don't have a way to answer that question, but I am curious what that means. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was a banishment thing, if it was they get removed from the inheritance of the tribe. And then um, 19 also, if you do this, both of you will be held responsible. Okay. I don't know. There was, a, there was some of that stuff that I think it was probably local knowledge. They knew what it meant. I don't. <laughs> there's some talking here. We kind of haven't gone to it, but there's talking here about mediums and spiritists too. Yeah. And not having anything to do with that. And that's kind of, that stuff's been kind of getting big these days. Yep. Of, that's of, very uh, culturally accepted nowadays. And um, God is very... He's absolutely unequivocal about this, is that mediums, and in case somebody's wondering, it's like, what exactly is and necromancers, what's going on, is this is the people who position themselves as those who communicate with the dead. And God is saying, again, he doesn't explain, but he just says, absolutely, that is a no-go zone. In yeah. verse 6, it describes it describes it as prostituting themselves by following them. So it's, it's mm-hmm. a matter of loyalty and it's a matter of worship. He says, I will set my face against anyone who turns to mediums and spiritists to prostitute themselves by following them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, that's that. You shall have no other gods before me thing. That's mm-hmm. the way I read that at least. Sure. Yeah, and we see that show that up as, later. Yeah, I didn't take that as physical prostitution. I took that as as prostitution in worship yes yeah and we're going to see this big time when we get into uh the story of saul as the first king of of israel 
And oh yeah, and he's a, not the only king who turns here. And and the yeah, prophet right. of God says, "Why would you seek advice among the dead right. when you have a God of the living?" And right. I mean, yeah. it's it is a smackdown mm-hmm. that that shows and, up. And so God is not kidding when he says. And this idea that like, oh, he just said it in Leviticus. Like he really wasn't that serious about it. I mean, he didn't really understand the context. I mean, this is about this is about um, consent. All these, almost all of these things. These people are of a consensual age, you know. Yeah. yeah. And so this isn't this isn't all about just that. Uh, and God is saying, among other things, don't do this. And the necromancers, mediums, communicating with the dead, and you know, as I grew up, that included things like Ouija boards and things of this nature that were appealing to the supernatural to give us guidance today. Were no go zones. It's like no, the stars are not going to tell you what is what your life is about because god made the stars so you're going to worship the stars or the god who made the stars who are you going to ask for advice right right well so uh chapter 21 gets in specifically to some regulations for the conduct of priests so the idea that if you are in a specific position of representing god and keep in mind the priests specifically were like literally representing God, not just, you know, there to be somebody to, you know, ask questions of and 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 they would kind of stand in. But these guys were literally representing God, Christ, you know, in, in what they were doing. And so they have some very specific things that they were to be staying clear of. Um, some of them seem a little arbitrary to us. They must have meant more to them at the time. Things like don't touch a dead body unless it's a close relative. And there was even, I think there was even, uh, if we get into 22 there, it seems like there was even specifics, even within close relatives that they were supposed to stay clear of. If you're the high priest, if you're the high priest, you you couldn't. Yeah. There's some things I don't understand. Like, um, in, in five, 21, five, you shall not make bald patches on your heads. So (laughs) apparently this is some sort of ceremonial shaving, uh, nor shave off the edges of your beards. And, I, my understanding is, is that that is how the Hasidic Jews have read this is like, that's your sideburns. You don't cut those. Mm. You leave those, those uh, sideburns long and you know, they end up in curls and so on, nor make cuts on their body. And mm-hmm. these things seem to, these, all of these things seem to have, they, they seem to reference things that we don't really know about that have to do with worship. You know, cutting, cutting your, you shall make cuts on your body, you know, or shaving the edges of your beards, that these things must have had some meaning worship wise in those contexts. It's kind of like when Paul says, women, don't braid your hair, you know, don't plate your hair. It's like, okay, because this one I don't understand in Leviticus, but in the New Testament, it's my understanding that that was a sign uh, like today. If you were to drive down uh, in Denver Colfax Avenue and see a woman wearing seven inch high heels, you know, and fishnet stockings, you're like, oh, I bet I know what she does for work. You know, it's one in the morning is that braiding your hair in Paul's context of day and time. That was the symbol. They didn't wear high heels and fishnet stockings. You'd braid your hair. And so he said, don't do that, Mm, you know, because and, and and some of these things, I think, maybe find their way culturally at the time they were like oh yeah okay we know what that means and now we're reading like i have no idea what that means (laughs) right now there was also some 
there were some stipulations for the families of the priests too. We talked about a daughter who becomes a who becomes a prostitute of mm-hmm. you know you know she was says she was to be burned with fire. Now I doubt that meant that she was supposed to be executed. You know, like burned at the stake. You know, killed that way. But probably, you know, I mean. Don't yeah, because God, just earlier he just said there's a punishment for child sacrifice. So he's like, mm-hmm. this is not. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's not a sacrifice, but I, I, I didn't get I, I don't know. I would have a hard time believing that God would say kill them with fire. But, well, I don't know. Who am I to say? Maybe. But at, at any rate, for for the daughter of a priest to become a prostitute, pretty big deal. OK, um, speaking of a big deal, I don't want to miss this in 21 seven. This is of priests. They shall not marry a prostitute. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then we get to the book of Hosea where God says, Hosea, go and marry Gomer the prostitute. <laughs> was was he a priest though? He was a prophet. He was a prophet. Yeah, yeah I didn't think he was a priest. But here's but here's my point is that God is willing to go to extreme lengths to reach his people. Because, I mean, come on, for a prophet. Kind of like in, in because look, you could be born into being a priest. Mm-hmm. You had to be personally called by God to be a prophet, and so for God to say, "My guy that I called specific," he didn't get born into this by accident. This guy I picked. God's willing to say, "You know what? I love you guys as a people so much. Hey, let me get your attention." It's kind of like the two by four in the back of their head. They're like, "What? What was that?" Anyways, it's just an interesting thing that you know that in Hosea's time, they knew this stuff. Sure. And, and so that message must have been just really amazing when Hosea says, look, you guys have strayed so far from God's love. And we, we, we come across it over and over and over. You've prostituted yourself with other gods, which we're reading right now, literally. God's saying, don't do this. Don't do these practices because they will take you astray from a relationship with me. And sure enough. As we continue to read, we see Israel doing exactly that. God is saying, come back. Come back. I love you so much. I'll do what it takes to get your attention. Could it be that drastic times and drastic measures? Oh, I think so. Because God didn't do that all the time. You know, that, because... was a, that was a unique thing. He didn't, he doesn't, that was in fact an exception. It was a one-time thing. We don't see it. We didn't see it before. And I don't recall it ever being after either. Right. And I think it's, you know, used to to drive the point home. And, you know, to what you were saying is, yeah, God did call specifically the prophets. And but I think he also used them as as examples of, okay, this is look in this context of this prophet and see exactly what's going on in the world around you. And I still have enough love for you, especially with with Gomer, the whole thing. It was like you loved a prostitute so much. And yet she still went back to what she was doing before broke your heart and you still went after her again to reclaim her, mm-hmm. you know, exactly what's going on in the, in the time, you know, and I think this one, when we were reading it here, it was, it's more about that kind of outward appearance of the prostitute and a priest, you know, for our people. When you, well, when, the, one of the things that kept, that I kept remembering as I read through these chapters was Remember when they were setting up the sanctuary and the altar and God was giving the instructions on all that. And he said, he said that the priests had to wear undergarments so that when they walked up to the altar, 
no one would be able to see under their robe. Yeah. At the time, I thought that that was kind of odd. But if I if I think of everything that we're going over today as instructions by contrast, don't do the things that they did where you came from and don't do the things that they do where you're going. Do it this way instead. If I think of it as instructions by contrast and I think of them as as I think of the Israelites as coming from a society and going to a society where temple prostitution was common and thinking of the service officiators as a sexual being during the service was common, then his instructions make more sense. Like, no, we're isolating this, not because it's some filthy thing. God created sexuality. That's not the issue. We're isolating this because it doesn't have a place right here and now. So stop thinking about it and hone your brain in a little bit different direction. So to me, it was kind of like mental training by these rules, by pulling these things separate and isolating them, this becomes worship and your personal life, your intimate life stays over there and it is not together with worship. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that kind of made a little bit more sense to me as I was reading through some of this stuff. Right. That's a really good point. Well, there's other things here that the priests had to make sure they did. Um, they had to make sure that they stayed clean while they were dealing with the offerings, which I think a week or two ago, if you remember, I had a question about something there where it wasn't about an offering making them unclean, but they needed to be clean in order to offer the, you know, to, to, to you know, make those offerings. Yeah. And so the priests really did have to set themselves apart, even above the you know, be, beyond being set apart as the people were set apart, the priests had to be something else, something even more special and more set apart. Lots of different things here about, you know, how they would deliver those those offerings. And then the chapter ends with offerings that were would be accepted and unaccepted. And we've touched on some of those probably already in other chapters. But yeah. specifically the one, the, I think the part that got to me was verses 18 and 19, is that all of the offerings had to be made from your own free will. There was no mandate ever, you must make an offering. It always had to be, you have to want to do it, and nobody's going to force you. That was that one was kind of important to me. And, you know, it goes on. Yeah, it's in about, 22, chapter 22. Yes, chapter 22. And yeah. it goes on talking about which kind of animals are going to be okay more about no not having any blemishes you know not having a don't uh don't offer up an animal that was like just born they have to be at least eight eight days old before uh you offer them uh, an interesting one don't kill a cow and or a you and her young on the same day there's a there's a certain um poetic sort of a i don't know if justice is the right word there but it would just sort of seem profane to just kill them both on the same day. Uh, but the, yeah, the big thing there to me was that that the offerings all had to be made of your own free will, and that and that God was not going to force you to do it. Mm-hmm. And and it end it be, it ended with let's see here, I have verse thirty two is my last note that I wrote down. You shall not profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So, you know, everything we started began with, you know, do this because I am your God. And it ends with do this because I am your God. Mm -hmm. And and uh, since you're representing me, 
don't misrepresent me. Yeah, and again, it's God is. Be, I mean, it's if there was ever a point to be a time to make the point as to what sanctifies us, because we just finished all these rules: do this for sacrifices, don't do that. I mean, it's just chapter after chapter of this stuff. It is God is saying, "I am the Lord who sanctifies you." Like I am the one who does it, not the things that you do mm-hmm. or don't do. Those those have consequences, but that's not what sanctifies you. I sanctify you. That's what God's saying. Right. You know, and I think those two work together in 32 and 33. I look at it as, you know, he's he's used this ending a lot during this whole time that it's come out. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God? I am the Lord. And I think that being, you know what, that was the the superpower was Egypt at that time. There was nothing in the world greater, and I removed you from that. I broke that that um, government, that superpower on earth. I'm above anything on this earth. Just keep that in mind. That seems like a great place to end for today. Uh, next week, we will continue into chapter 23 of Leviticus, and I think we'll finish the book of Leviticus. Shouldn't be any reason not to. So 23 to the end of the book of Leviticus next week. In the meantime, keep in mind that you can always reach us if you have any questions or comments at attbpodcast at theadventure.org. We're on Facebook. Look for us at Adventure Through the Bible. Be sure that you subscribe to us. Be sure you tell your friends about us. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening.